This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You need to know what's happening. It's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason LaCanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, guys. The playoffs are here. Carl Dukes put them up along with my man Jason LaCanfora. Brian Baldinger will be here as well later in the week. We'll take a look at what's coming up in the divisional round. But Jason, man, we got a lot to chop up, brother. I mean, this was yes, a sir. crazy weekend. It was. It was one of those weekends where you watch stuff play out, like, for example, the Giants-Vikings game. And I told you guys, I told you guys, they were paper champions. But we'll get to that. I want to start with the 49ers just putting it on the Seahawks because, you know, we've been talking about this role the the 49ers have been on and this winning streak and how good they are. And everybody's talking about can they win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. That is now a realistic question for this 49er team. They'll take on the Cowboys next weekend. Mm -hmm. Can they win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy? Well, we just might find out. Um, It wouldn't, you know, shock me if they represent the NFC. And once you're in, then, you know, obviously anything's possible. Uh, I mean, he looked like novice quarterbacks in their first playoff game tend to look like he looked like that for about a series and a half. And then he completed a couple of passes. Uh, the screen game got going and then it just, it just rolled. Right. Um, he clearly is very comfortable in that offense. He clearly is very comfortable in his own skin. That team clearly rallies behind him. And like does Kyle Shanahan, force him to carry the heaviest load in the league? No, duh. I mean, yeah, if you can scheme it up, right? If you can put guys in positions to succeed, if you have a stud left tackle, if you have uh, a stud running back, a stud tight end, a stud whatever Debo is, whatever you want to call him, offensive weapon, do-it-all guy, um, you have other dudes who can win for you on the outside. Yeah, I I mean, but – Look, we've seen that offense this year. We've seen that offense in the past. And it hasn't always looked like this. You know, even with a healthy Jimmy G, it hasn't always cooked like this. So I think we need to give this young man uh, his flowers and and his due. Um, I I think it's not like it's too big for him or he's going to start freaking out because there's a star on the helmets of the teams on the other sideline. Like, I don't think that's going to phase him that they're facing Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. 
Um, and he'll probably play pretty well. And I think they'll win that game, might even win that game handily. And I, I don't know, Carl, I think that's just going to improve his confidence. I, I don't know that he's going to get nervous or shakier as we go through this thing. I think we may have seen in the first quarter um, whatever nerves or jitters he's going to have until we would get to a Super Bowl, which obviously sure. is a very different – that's a very different stage. The uh, the quarterback situation, Jason, now with the 49ers, you're not bringing back Garoppolo, right? You got Trey no. Lance under, you got yeah. Trey Lance under contract, and they can't franchise him. The way this deal was worked out, they can't franchise tag Garoppolo, so they'll move on. You've got Trey Lance under contract. But I don't know anything about Trey Lance. I don't know if Trey Lance can do what I'm watching Brock Purdy do. So if I'm the 49ers and I'm Kyle Shanahan, win or lose, no matter this Sunday, uh, whether they, they move on to the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy's my quarterback, right? He would be for me. I mean, I, I would spend this offseason giving – like this – I mean, we're seeing Brock Purdy, or Brock Purdy here, and – the offseason was all about Trey Lance to the point where they didn't even want Garoppolo in the building to steal a single rep from him. So if you think they were repping Brock Purdy up, you're out of your mind. So if you were to give Purdy, afford him all of those privileges, right? Afford him um, that possibility of having, you know, March, April, May, June, all about me. You know, it stands to reason that his development only uh, uh, increases. Um, and look, I'm I'm not thoroughly convinced that Garoppolo has a soft market. He comes back to them and they trade Trey Lance. You know, I, I don't know if they want the dynamic to be two young guys who really do need every rep they can get. Um, we saw Garoppolo literally get banished for an entire offseason, come back to them and play better than Trey Lance. That's you right. know, so we'll see about all that. But in the short term, um, you know, again, Super Bowl is a different animal, but I think I think Brock Purdy's, you know, he'll make a mistake, he'll throw a pick, like there'll be some bumps. But I don't think the fact that now it's the division round is going to make him shiver. It's a fascinating story. It's in the huddle, guys. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes with you. We put out new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. We're glad that you're checking us out. Tell your friends about us. We go inside the NFL, tell you all the latest stories, uh, everything that's going on through the playoffs into the offseason. And, you know, I'll say this about this game, and then we'll move on. I, I, this is taking me back, Jason, nostalgia. Mid-90s, I'm, I'm really finding my, you know, this is when I'm watching football all mm -hmm. the time. I'm, you know, 93, 94. I'm, I'm just out of high school into college. Cowboys 49ers were huge, right? This is when yes. they were playing for the NFC Championship game every year, and you had Emmitt and Troy and Aikman, and you had, you know, Steve Young, and both teams were loaded with talent. And the anticipation of those games, this is not for, obviously, the NFC Championship, but just from a nostalgia standpoint, it's kind of cool to see both of these teams, for me, back in the playoffs and, and you know, from that standpoint, because you either loved the Cowboys or you hated them, and you were yeah. a big 40. The 49ers have a huge following, you know, obviously around the country as well, with Joe Montana and all the things they were able to do in the 80s and then get into the 90s. It's just kind of cool to see these two teams playing again. Yeah, it is. I mean, that was certainly of that era, um, of that decade, really, I think, if you talked about the best rivalries outside of um, divisional rivalries. 
that would be there, you know, I mean, you would have said, you know, in the seventies, you could have said, you know, Raiders Steelers, you could have said even Cowboys uh, Steelers a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, remember when Charles Haley flipped teams, <laughs> the whole, the whole division of right of power flipped, right? Like, yeah, there were some interesting dynamics there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Fun stuff, man. Let's talk about Jaguars and the Chargers. This was the most disappointing loss all season long. Brandon Staley, I, I you know, again, I don't know how he keeps his job. Uh, this is unbelievable to blow a 27-point lead. And the way that it went down in the second half, I mean, you know, they didn't milk the clock. There were so many just clock management issues that I thought went wrong for, for the uh, not the Jags, but the Chargers. And give credit where credit's due. Trevor Lawrence throws four picks in the first half. First half. Yeah. Comes out and throws four yeah. touchdowns in the second half. This was unbelievable, Jason. Yeah, it was, you know, and it took two to tango. As great as Lawrence was, it took um, the Chargers capitulating to give him the time and space needed to pull that off. Um you know, th- there's just so much here. I mean, not having Mike <laughs> Williams available for that game. You know what I mean? Like, they were one big play. Probably one more one more first down, one 30, 40-yard play to flip field position away from winning that game. And the best guy to do that for them didn't make the trip because you got him hurt in a game that didn't matter the week before. Um, I-, I think it was, again, um, there was a lot of comeuppance there. They, we've talked about it forever. They treat that quarterback like he's Skylar Thompson. Actually, Mike Mc, McDaniel let Skylar Thompson play more than the Chargers let Justin Herbert play, which is kind of shocking, um, but true. When you go look at the, the pass chart of the attempts for Herbert, um, you know, the graphical one, they're, they're, <laughs> they're all within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's just it's the same old garbage. Uh, there, they should have never brought that offensive coordinator back into this season. Um, it is, uh, again, there, there's a certain, um, there, there's a certain sort of slap in the face element there that like everything that you thought you knew better, man, you didn't. Um, and whatever was going on with Bosa and Bosa was losing his cool. Bosa had bad penalties, but bro, <laughs> You're trying to close a game out where they're steamrolling you in the second half. And this guy, just with one flick of the wrist, with one burst, can do what his brother did in that other game. Yep. And he's on the sidelines? Makes no sense. Makes I no mean, sense. So should he be terminated? Absolutely. Will the Spanos family spend the money that it takes to do it, put in the fight that it would take to go and conduct a coaching search, and be willing, we've talked about this in the past, to break free from um, uh, the nepotism that's been fairly rampant in that organization because it's going to take something of a house cleaning to get someone like a Sean Payton. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. It's what they should do. Yes. I'm not sure it's what they will do. They'll probably just fire a coordinator and a couple of assistant coaches 
and run it back. Um, but it, it, it's just, it was so charger. Like it was just, I mean, it was just epic chargering. Uh, and I, look, as a kid, when the Colts left town here in Baltimore, I was, and I already started following the chargers before they left because like, just try to find a highlight reel of like the 81, 82 Baltimore Colts. It, it was rough. And at the same time, you know, you had Eric Coriel, you had this amazing sort of offensive renaissance thing that was happening in San Diego. And I really was captured by that. So, like, I feel for Chargers fans. Like, I live through, you know, my share of Chargering. Um, and to have just that, I really think that quarterback is special. I mean, I, I, do too. I think he's really special. And they have weapons on the outside. They, you know, even, you know, Everett's fine for them at tight end. Like, there's so much there. And for them to lean away from that and just sort of do this dink and dunk, like, just yeah, the, co- the pathetic is, offense. Like I, holding I mean, him back. The coaching is holding him back, and it's rare in this league where you see this, and it's so blatantly obvious that the coaching is holding a very talented player back because the player, listen, he's not calling the plays, right? Justin's not out there calling all of his plays, so the play calling comes into effect, and then you know the game planning you, all week long. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, it, it's 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 practice. pathetic. I, I, well, we I'm just saw you. it. We saw it the year before with Trevor Lawrence. Now, I'm not saying Joe Lombardi is anything like sure like Urban Meyer in terms of his lack of preparation, his lack of effort, his lack of care, his lack of professionalism. Um, I'm not saying any of that, but just to the schematics and to what impact a coach can have on a quarterback, um, we saw it with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that was immediately addition by subtraction. And then you go and get Doug Peterson. All right, now that, yeah, that, that kid's got a chance to cook. He's cooking. The funniest thing for me all weekend, and it was a personal thing. I came, uh, I came home Saturday. I had, I had an event, and it's you know they're t- they're up twenty seven, and I literally walk in and I and I'm like, what, what happened? And my wife's like, ah, I don't know. And I said, they're gonna come back. This is there's no way they're not gonna score points. And my wife goes, you're crazy. They're nobody coming back from twenty seven points. And at the end of the game, she's just looking at me like, did we just watch this? It was unreal, yeah. Jason. So I, uh, I thoroughly was entertained, but I do think Brandon yeah. Staley deserves to be fired. Period. Point blank. We'll see if the Chargers do it. Let's talk about what you just brought up with with Skyler Thompson and, and the Bills. Closer game than we thought. Bills fighting for their lives here. And listen, I know they were big favorite points point spread wise, but give the Dolphins credit, man. They showed yeah. up. They competed. Um, and if you're a Dolphin fan, I think, you know, and this goes for Dylan Finn's up because he's our producer on this yeah. podcast. You got to be happy about the way that they performed and showed up without Tua, because I, I think yeah. you have to think about the future potentially without Tua. Yeah. And look, I understand what their GM, Chris Greer, is saying and all the messaging there, which is, you know, Tua's our guy. Yeah. I mean, it's what they should be saying. Like, do we know how what Tua's career is going to look like? At this point, of course not. And, and you know, whether it's Skylar Thompson or, you know, I, I think somebody else has to be like, look, Skylar Thompson, you can keep developing him. You should. But whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or somebody else in that Teddy Bridgewater role, I think there needs to be. It's imperative that there's another veteran in that mix somewhere because of all the unknowns with Tua. Um, but, yeah, Carl, they, they fought their backsides off. And, 
you know, when that when that thing's seventeen nothing, you're thinking that this this it might be you know this might be forty one to ten, um, and it was anything but that. And this this game this weekend, this Buffalo Cincinnati game, like. I haven't loved what I'm seeing from either of those teams lately. Like they're winning, but they're winning in weird ways. Um, they're, they're, they're getting pushed by teams playing guys that really aren't ready to start in this league, but they look like starters against them. Um, there's something a little off with both those teams. With Cincinnati, I get it more because I think it's, it's, it's injury related. And I think it's it, a lot of it's due to that offensive line systematically falling apart. Um, due to lack of availability, guys getting hurt. I can't put my finger on it with Buffalo, but all the way around, you know, for them to be able – and here's the here's the thing that I don't think people are really talking about. If Hill and Waddle just do what they normally do early in that game, just catch the damn ball. Oh, my God. You know what yes. I mean? Like, they let yes. that poor – Skylar Thompson, was, they let him down for the first 20 minutes of that game. If those dudes just kept – now, maybe Waddle lost the one in the sun. I don't know. But if those dudes, I'm not even saying they have to be special. If they just perform like starting caliber NFL receivers early in that game, it, it could have been it could have been a shocking upset. And remember that that spread got up to 13 and a half before kickoff. So, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's like, you know, the week before, obviously they were they were dealing a lot with DeMar Hamlin. And do I think that threw them off for a while and their schedules and just their yeah. mindset? I do, but like he, thank God he's out of the hospital. He almost, you know, he considered going to that game. Like, I don't think that headspace is what's wrong with them right now. There's something else going on. The quarterback is, is not that those picks were even necessarily on him, but I don't know. Like, it's bogging down in the red zone. The defense really needs Von Miller back. Um, and if they can't get pass rush against Cincinnati, where Cincinnati's really down to two starters now, right? It's the center and the left guard. Everything right. else is a is a is a mash unit right now. If the Bills can't wreak havoc in this one, um, then they just might be in trouble here. I mean, they that should be the mismatch in this game. And I know you and Baldy will get much more into that on Thursday. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Bills won, and that's what the playoffs are about. But it did leave me scratching my head, um, and it did have me thinking like. That, you know, Miami really kind of won the final three quarters of that game. Here's the other thing about the Bills and where they are. Josh is, I'm not going to say regressing, but he's taking chances and doing things that I don't think he needs to do, and he's putting himself in jeopardy, and he's causing himself to turn the ball over. You do that enough, and you do it against the right team, it's going to cost you. They were lucky to get out of there alive on Sunday against the, the Dolphins. I don't know if you can do that, even with a mashed-up offensive line against Joe Burrow, and give him those additional chances. I just right. The Josh Allen thing is concerning only because it's almost like, Jason, he's pressing. Like, yeah. we're here. I'm supposed to get us back to the AFC Championship game. I'm supposed yeah. to get us back to the Super Bowl or get to the Super Bowl, and I got to do everything I can. Ah, Relax, yeah. bro. Relax. Like, you don't have to do all of this. That's kind of what's worrying me right now about Buffalo. Well, yeah, and on the other side of the ball. Um, Two picks, I mean, Leslie, way, for, Leslie, for Leslie, yeah, Leslie Frazier's defense is built. Like, them having a 17-point lead with the zone they play, that should have been lights out, especially yep. against a third-string quarterback who's playing by default. Um, 
you know, and a Dolphins team where Armstead came into that game not 100%. You know what I mean? There were questions about Miami's offensive line. Their best tailback, Mostert, wasn't up. And they still moved that ball up and down. Now, could you say, well, they were giving them underneath stuff like they were, you know, they were playing soft. Okay, but they played so soft, they, they blew a 17-point lead in like five minutes, three minutes, whatever it was. No, I don't think that, bro. Like, I don't think it was by design that the 34 wins when you're at home against that team, as limited as they are offensively, and you're up, you know, three scores. So this game will be very, very interesting to me. I don't I don't have a great feeling about either of these teams. There's obviously the specter of home field advantage. Um, and again, I don't think we can make too much out of the state of the Bengals uh, offensive line right now. But we also saw Burrow get hit 10. He got hit eight times Sunday night. We saw him get hit, what, 12 times in Tennessee last year and still win the game. So who knows? It's crazy. It's in the huddle. Carl Dukes along with Jason Lockham for guys. Follow us on social media as well. And of course, subscribe every week. We put out new episodes Tuesday and Thursdays here in the huddle. Get it wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends and family about it. We want you to be a part of this. I told you guys all season long, all season long. I didn't buy them. I didn't care about the wins. I didn't care about how they were winning. And it played out over the weekend when Daniel Jones went in to Minnesota and crushed their souls, right? 300 yards passing, two touchdowns. He ran for 80 yards, 17 carries for 78 yards. Daniel Jones, Jason, did everything that you would want him to do. He outplayed Kirk Cousins. And here the Giants find themselves advancing in these playoffs, and everybody is shocked about Minnesota. I'm not shocked. I told you guys this team wasn't for real. It's just so weird. Like, it's just so Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins played really good football for 90-plus percent of that game. Kirk Cousins was the primary reason they were still in that game when their defense showed you from the first drive to the last that they had no answers for that Giants attack. But then, my God, if it's just not Pete Kirk Cousins to throw a three-yard check down on fourth and eight with your season on the line. You know what I mean? And it's like that – and that's what a lot of people are going to glob onto. And I get it. Like, yeah. yeah. And that is really Cousins-ish. Like, he padded the stat line. And, again, we've talked about this before. Go to profootballreference.com and look at the, the highest passer ratings in NFL history for all qualified quarterbacks. He's top ten. But, like, there aren't the signature moments as much as he led that team. And I won't say put him on his back, but but was kind of trading shots with Daniel Jones most of the day. When everything's on the line and it's fourth and eight and you don't throw it to the sticks, mm. you know, that's going to that's gonna haunt you. That's going to stay with you. Um, I thought there'd be – I thought that game would be played in the 30s. I thought that game would go over. And I liked the, the – the Giants. I didn't love them as much as some other people because of their inexperience in the playoffs, but I like them. And I, I didn't think it'd be too big for Daniel Jones. He was just in that environment, what, three, four weeks ago. And after a slow start, really dominated the fourth quarter. Um, the Vikings defense was broken all year. Um, it just was. And Dable, like the ultimate sort of sign of disrespect for them is like Dable knew from the last time out he could run it on him all he wanted. But he didn't. But he he's like, nah, I know we can do that. But we can throw on him, too. And even with this kid making his, his playoff debut, 
I'm going to throw on early downs. I'm going to go play action all over the place. I'm going to throw like hell to set up the run when we feel like doing it because I can beat them either way. And I'd rather beat them. Um, I'd rather beat them through the air, right? I'd, I'd rather try to roll myself up to a lead through the air and hats off, man. Um, look, I, I think like, I don't think this is a layup for the Eagles. And again, I don't want to go I too far ahead. I know you guys will do that Thursday, I but don't I don't think this is a layup. Um, that, that, and I even felt like Dable held some stuff back in the run game in, in terms of getting nasty in the option game. Like, I almost think he's like, I don't need to do that. I mean, Daniel Jones ran, he ran when it was there, but like, they didn't lean on him and Barkley playing around with the mesh point to win that game because they didn't have to. And there's an inherent danger in that, right? But like, do I think he'll have a different script, a different plan, and attack the Eagles in a different way? I do. Um, and and look, I I applaud Wink Martindale, the Giants defensive coordinator. Incredible. Who has, been, who has lived and died with the blitz in every situation. This was not his first rodeo. This was not his first playoff game. It's not like Wink was a guy who always, you know, was top five blitzing in the regular season and then backed off and played, you know, prevent in the playoffs. Nah, man, he was gunslinger. There was one – he was going down one way and one way only, you know even if it meant his number four corner on an island against Jamar Chase, because yep. that happened last year and it happened more than once um, because the other eight guys are blitzing and, you know, there's whatever. Like, he changed it up. He flipped the script. He 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 found – not that that defense played great, but he found a way for that defense to, to ultimately be the last unit standing. That's a very individual uh, game, and the Giants are really playing with house money. And they, they look like a team that feels like, man, this is just another football game. Like, this is free and easy. Like, we're going to be ourselves. If we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. But we're letting it all hang out. Yeah, I uh, – and this is the thing Baldy said last week before the game we saw over the weekend. He said, Kirk Cousins is going to get hit and get hit a lot. And he did. And, and I don't know if how much that affected him, but he had people in his face, around yeah. his feet. You know, all game long, and it was a distraction. There's no doubt. I, I give Wink credit. Now, can you play that way, and will you play the same way against the Eagles? It's what they do. So, yeah, Jalen Hurts, they're coming after you. You know, they're going to come after you. I agree. I don't think it's a layup either, Jason. I think this is going to be probably a closer game. Again, this is a division rival too, right? I mean, you're, you're still talking Giants, Eagles. These two teams know each other. So it's, it's really going to play out this weekend. I can't wait. But congratulations to the Giants. Vikings fans, listen, we'll talk about this in the offseason when we get to it. I just think the Kirk Cousins experiment is over. He's good. He's not great. You have some really good pieces there. And if you just continue to say, well, he'll get us over the hump, he'll get us over the hump, you're going to find yourself here every year. And I think this offseason for Adafo Mensa is going to be big as to how he revolves around what he wants to do with the quarterback. He came in last year, Jason. I don't know if you remember this or not. And they were talking about Kirk Cousins, and he was like, well, you know, he's not Tom Brady. And he yeah, he had his best. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like, obviously, the general manager has not all the confidence that I think he should have in his quarterback. We're going to see where that goes. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes. All right, I got to talk about this story, and I know that you're all over it. Lamar doesn't make the trip to Cincinnati. Okay? Now, 
It was a sidebar because the game actually was really good, and the Ravens played their butts off, had a chance. They had a chance. But the bigger story here now that the Ravens season is over, Bengals win 24-17, is where is this going? And then Lamar puts out an Instagram post talking about taking care of things and, you know, treating people right in essence. And I am not going to read it. You can go check it out. But he's basically saying, hey, you treat people right, those people treat you right, and things take care of themselves. So, Jason, where the hell is this going? Because we've been talking about this for weeks now, and I get the feeling like Lamar is almost saying, hey, look, you guys haven't done me right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of over it. And now yep. there are possible ideas out there about him being traded. Oh, yeah. They're not going to trade Lamar, are they? Oh, I think they are. Yeah, I mean, I've been writing about this to Washington Post since the middle of the season. Like, yeah, I think the, I think the only prudent thing to really do at this point is to trade him. Like, the offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, is going to be gone. Um, there's Even if they promote from within, the offense is going to change. Uh, this is two straight years where – They've played the second half of the season without him. Um, you've got people in that organization, you know, whispering to people in the media for weeks now, like, he could probably play this week. Like, we think it's really not that bad of an injury. It's only one to three weeks. Like, he sees that. He knows exactly where that's coming from. You know, he knows exactly what to do. You can't bring, hadn't said it publicly in three-plus years, and says, well, I don't think he thinks he's worth my money, and I don't think he's worth my money. And, hey, son, go out there and win me a Super Bowl, and if you do, I'll think about paying you like the Haslam's did. But otherwise, we're just going to tag them next year and see where it goes. Well, that's where we are. The, the franchise tag window opens up in three weeks. Um, yep. Or, I guess, uh, four weeks. So, like, we're there. And what has happened to bring these sides together? I mean, nothing. He thought on Friday he had to take to social media, or was it late Thursday, to say, hey, here's what here's here's my truth about my injury. And where it stands, and don't listen to what my bosses are leaking to useful idiots in the media. Here's my truth. Now, is his truth 100%? I don't know. Is what they were whispering to people one week into this injury, days into this injury, was that accurate? Clearly not. There's probably a hard medical truth somewhere between those two extremes. But the fact that both sides felt at various points in time, they had to put that out there. Like, it just shows you how much this has devolved. And you've got people, even in his own locker room, Sammy Watkins, what he told the Washington Post late in the week, like, you know, it's just, it's really gotten super messy and it's only going to get uglier. And the, the ultimate reality is he's had to play out an entire rookie contract, making salaries and stipends and total, you know, bulk payments that were laid out by people like some owners who aren't even alive anymore by people like Drew Brees who aren't in the league anymore, right? By people like Jeff Saturday. I'm just trying to think of who was a part of the negotiating right. teams on the last yeah. CBA, right? They decided, like, you could really take it back to, like, 09. Like, this shit was laid down when this kid was in elementary school. And they made him play through all five years of it. And I talked about this a lot in the summer, and I don't know if it hit home. Just because he's on a fifth-year option doesn't mean that Steve Bashotti or Eric DeCosta or Sashi Brown or anybody in that organization couldn't have had the class and 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 the self-awareness and um, the the mm. the the bill to put out a statement and say, 
It's un- he put, it's unfortunate. We couldn't come to terms on a new deal. We're going to respect Lamar Jackson and not negotiate in season. However, to recognize his unique, I'm just going to top my head here, in this organization, to represent what he has done for us throughout the totality of his rookie contract, and to in some way at least reward him and to show how much he means to this organization, we're going to add incentives based on games played, based on touchdowns, yes. based on playoff performances, and based on playoff wins to that existing deal. Because he is not someone who, as far apart as we may be in our negotiations, he is not someone who we should take advantage of again this year for $23 million while, while jamokes like Kyler Murray are getting five times that. Like, that's a classy organization. That's an organization that really is thinking about his best interest, that really does want to take care of him, and really does want to send a message to sponsors and the fan base, go ahead and buy those eight jerseys because he's our guy. Instead, they yeah, do all that stuff. Like, keep feeding us rich, keep buying our bullshit, keep falling for our line, keep falling for our okey-doke that we're going to build around him or that we in any way really are doing what's in his best interest, right? They did none of that. He gets hurt again. They help foster a, a toxic environment that now creates this, this sludge that they're in and they're still whispering, well, it's not us, it's him. And now they're whispering to the media and there's still one particular out there who will parrot anything they tell him saying, man, man, they love him. They, they want to sign him long-term. Wait a minute. He's done all this for you for five years and the general manager won't come out and say, I like Lamar Jackson on the record. You've got to put it out there for him because they want to continue to turn this town against this kid. They want to make you think, now they love Lamar. Of course they want to re-sign him. Meanwhile, Mm. they're slandering him to certain people in the media. It's him. He doesn't want them. I mean, it's like there's a different guy in the media who was trying to tell you, I don't know, about 18 months ago before the start of the previous season, they want to sign Lamar so bad. They can't get him to come in the GM's office and negotiate. You remember that narrative? Like, we used to play the Benny Hill music on my radio show. Oh, we can't catch him. Oh, here's Steve with an open contract. But he keeps running away. They can't catch him. He's got so much going on. They can't get him to sit down and negotiate. Shut the F up. Okay? It's wrong. It's all bullshit. It's wrong. And so, and now it's about he didn't really want to play because of the contract. All right. Well, guess what? Just trade him to somebody who will give him, you know, what he's worth, what he thinks he's worth or as close to it as it can come. But, like, just take a step back and see. Like, why are people thinking he has a one- to three-week injury? Because some, because people in that building put it out. That's the only reason. Well, we, why isn't he back yet? Well, dude, have you read the MRI? Have you talked to any medical people about it? Right. You know what I mean? Have you seen how swollen it is? Because they knew – Despite them not wanting to pay him what Watson got, and despite all their fake narratives for years about this, Eric DaCosta, I'm, I know the kind of car I'm shopping for. I know the lot I'm in. Yeah, well, guess what? You've got the XLS model, and you're trying to you're trying to get the base model that's got roll down. It doesn't even have automatic windows, right? Like, oh, you might have been at the right you might have been at the right lot, but you weren't looking at the right model. Like, all, just like all of that garbage for years with excuse after excuse about why they couldn't do what everybody else does for a quarterback like this. Find a way to keep him around beyond his rookie year and find a way to pay him before he plays out the entire fifth year. Again, on a deal that was negotiated before he was playing high school ball in reality. 
and you never gave him one penny more than that out of the goodness of your heart or out of just because it's the right thing to do. Nah, you, you, you use that to your advantage. You sucked everything you could out of him, gave nothing back, never really tweaked the, the, the scheme, fed everything to your defense because you really want to win 12 to 10 every week. And now he's the problem. Okay. And I'm not saying that stuff's going to come out that isn't going to paint Lamar in a bad light. It is. And I'm not saying Lamar's perfect. He's not. But when you get to year five and all this other stuff happens, Russell Wilson gets his bag and he's never played for the Broncos. Deshaun Watson resets the market in a way no one could have fathomed. He's never even thrown a practice pass for Jimmy Haslam. He's never gone to one charity event and signed an autograph for Jimmy Haslam. And he's taking a sexual predator and doing that for him. When mm. when Aaron Rodgers holds his team hostage again, gets his $50 million last year, $60 million next year, fully guaranteed. Um, when Derek Carr, when, when the new regime gets to the Raiders and says, hey, we're going we're gonna to play around Derek Carr's contract and he's going to make 40. Now it also let them get out of it. But like, all that happens, and you don't throw him a bone. You don't put in a $5 million playoff incentive, right? Like, you do nothing. You don't even think about it. To me, that shows you who they are. Solid, Jason. And you can read Jason, as he says. You've been He's been writing about this for a long time um, in the Washington Post. I, I just want to read this post because this is what we're talking about. This is the, the Instagram from Lamar. Guys, I'm with Jason on this. I think it's toxic at this point. And because of all the things Jason just laid out, you don't think Lamar knows all of this? You don't think he does? Why would you want to be there? That's my question. Here is what he said on Instagram. When you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you have something good, you pour into it. You, you appreciate it because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you too. And that's exactly what Jason's talking about. It's in the huddle. All right. Bengals win. Obviously, we talked about their own line, but I think the Lamar story is bigger, and that's why we wanted to focus on it. We got plenty of time to talk about the Bengals and Bills, and we'll do that, and, and we'll look ahead. But we got to talk about what happened last night, and that's Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Woo! Moving yeah. on, advancing. And finally winning a playoff game on the road since 1994. Um, the game was never really competitive. The, I think the bigger thing for me is how pathetic Tom Brady looked. They asked him to throw the ball 66 times last night. That's not a winning formula, Jason. Yeah. It's not. And, you know, now what is Brady's future? Again, that's all offseason stuff. Yeah. But just the game itself, Dak really responded from a crap game yeah. against the Commanders to a very good game, making all the right decisions, making plays with his feet. I yes. thought Dak was brilliant last night. He was. He was. It was a complete uh, 180 from Week 18. Uh, the first drive looked like a continuation of Week 18, and I'm like, oh, boy. Um, but they got it together, and by the midpoint of the first quarter, started humming and really never stopped. I mean, the early Brady red zone interception was just massive, I think, that. Um, when that happened, and then now the Cowboys are playing bully ball and they're going on these long, you know, plundering drives, like, and your defense is stuck out there because Brady's just pass, pass, pass. And, you know, a lot of them are hitting the ground. 
And now your defense is back out there again. Like it, it just, yeah, you said it. It's it's not a winning script. It wasn't a winning formula. I love Brady over 42 and a half passing attempts. That was my favorite play in that game. And he shattered that. And I knew I, I felt very confident he would get to 50 because I thought Dallas would put up points. And the only way the Bucs can move the ball is throwing. But I didn't know that he'd get to 66. Um yeah, his future's not there. Um I do believe he still wants to play. Um and I believe there's two or three scenarios he's looking at that would wet his whistle. We'll see if that materializes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, they lost more games than they won. Um, nothing ever seemed to come easy for them, um, really, on either side of the ball. You know, they got Ryan Jensen back. <clears throat> They're tough as nail center. I thought that might add a little bit of, of um, bite to them, but it it didn't. And I don't think he no. was close to 100%. Um yeah, it was a tough watch. Uh, it was a tough watch. I mean, he – I bought into, like, what I saw from him and Mike Evans in week 18, thinking, all right, they got their – they got they finally got their group back. Like, they're they're jamming. And then it was the same old stuff. I mean, miscommunications, the ball goes here, he goes there. You know, poor ball ball placement, um, you know, drops. Yeah, I, and, like, I don't know what happens there as well. You know, like, is, is – is Byron Leftwich their offensive coordinator next year? Do they think they have enough as a team to try to get a Lamar Jackson or on a lesser tier, a Derek Carr, even possibly an Aaron Rodgers? Like, do they think that's where they are as an organization? Or is it time to start peeling back layers of that onion, trading some veterans, right? Getting your, your contracts and your cap back in um, gear and getting, uh, you know, drafting a quarterback or trying to identify a young quarterback who you think you could, you could develop, um, you know, they're not there yet as an organization. They're going to have to have those conversations relatively quickly, but I don't, I don't see Tom Brady back there. People I talk to in this league would be shocked if Tom Brady's back there. Yeah. Here's the thing, you know, two sides of this one, the Buccaneers won. What I mean by that is when you went and got Tom Brady, the yeah. goal was to win a Super Bowl. They yeah. did. So, you know, you got what you wanted. Now, if I'm smart, if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I'm that front office, you're right. Jason, I am peeling back and, and I'm getting my cap in order because the NFC South is in such turmoil right now, right? I mean, you talk about where Carolina is and what they're doing. And then you look at the Saints and Dennis Allen and then the Falcons. Falcons are finally moving in the right direction. They're going to have some cap space. They're going to be able to spend some money. They got some draft picks. Finally, some things are trying to maybe Lamar out. Jackson. Maybe Lamar Jackson. It's 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 possible. I mean, listen, if you're telling me that are they? eighth through, overall, eighth yes. overall pick. Look, the Ravens have a fetish for corners. They can't get enough, and Marcus Peters is done. <laughs> AJ Terrell, eighth overall pick. Maybe throw in Grady Jarrett at the end, and he becomes their the Clay's Campbell retires. They get Grady Jarrett in there to solidify anchor for them a little bit in the middle. A future one, a future two. I'd do it. Arthur I'd Blank? Do you think Arthur Blank would care about giving him $50 million no. a year guaranteed? I don't know. And I'll tell you why. He knows the thing that's lacking with his team right now, and this is not anything against the kid Desmond Ritter. He's got there nothing is, to sell. Correct. There's I mean, no it's like if with the right quarterback, Drake London with the right quarterback. That's right. That's right. That That's the issue right now. At heart, okay, not all these owners are, are Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank no. is unique because he built Home Depot, okay? Home Depot, still, go look at the stock price right now. Okay. It's built off customer service. 
He understands I got to give my customers something to be excited about. So what you're saying is not out of the question. It sounds like a big ask. But again, we're talking about a 25-year-old quarterback who's already been an MVP in this league. He did just turn 26. Okay. And, and, right. and, yeah. He just, just, but, but if you're going to tell me these guys are playing until yeah. they're 38, you know what of I mean? <laughs> so I'm with you. Uh, and I'm, When I'm was the last time Atlanta was a hopping Big. pro football town? When is the last time it was like it, – because I felt like even with some of the later Matt Ryan stuff, like, was it really, was it a tough ticket? You know what I mean? Like, when's the last time a, a Falcon, a 1 p.m. Falcons Jags game Correct. was a hot ticket? It's Mike well, Vick, right? That's right. And part of that is because it's what Lamar brings. You don't know what you're going to see. Yeah. He may run for 200. Right. He may throw for 300. It's a spectacle. It's a it, show. You just don't know. And that is why. Yeah. And Matt Ryan, again, you know, he he was great and all of that. The teams that he played on as far as the, the one that went to the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship team that lost to, you know, Kaepernick in 13 and all that stuff. Those were really good teams. But the excitement level of what you're talking about, regular season, I got to go see what this guy's going to do. I got to get a ticket. I got to get a ticket. Yeah, th- this is on a whole nother level. And and for that, I'd be willing to make that trade w- exactly what you're talking about. But um, I think Arthur Blank understands it. It's why, and this is completely off of what we're talking about with these playoffs, but I'll mention this. Jason, this is why Arthur Blank got involved in Deshaun Watson shit. Absolutely. He, he got involved in that because he was like, oh, Deshaun's from Georgia. We know him. He was a ball boy here. Okay. I don't know if they knew the the extent of all the cases that were going to come down, but at the time it was like the idea was this this gets my audience excited. This gets my fan base excited. And it didn't play out. Glad it didn't. And after the yeah. fact, hindsight's 2020, you know, Cleveland, you know, they got him and, and that's good. But that's the same reason. And I think it's the same reason why Atlanta may be a player here with Lamar if the trade is is real. Stay tuned. All right, man. We got to run. Guys, uh, what game are you looking forward to this weekend? Which one you got to watch? Which one? Uh, I mean, they're all, you know, come on, we're down to four. So I know, I'm going to savor all of them. Um, in a weird way, it's this Bengals-Bills thing because they're just, they both look really flawed to me. And whoever survives this might just go on and and turn it around and win the whole thing. Um, but that one, to me, I just don't have a, a great feel on. You know, the Giants will give the Eagles a game. And like we were kind of saying, I, I wouldn't rule out the Giants as being live there. I think the 49ers are going to beat down the Cowboys. Um, that's my sort of initial reaction to that one. Um, then the Jags Chiefs will be interesting. I mean, that was a game when they met in the regular season where it looked like it was going to be a boat race. And then it was one of those where, oh, wait a minute. Um, not to the degree of what the Jags just pulled off against the Chargers. But, um, you know, it's it's Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. So who doesn't want to see that? But sure. Um, yeah, so there's a case to be made for all of them, but I, I think most will be close. Um, I'm just not I'm not sure about Dallas going out to San Francisco. Yeah, that's a different, that's a different deal than what than what they just faced. That defense that they're going to face next week, I think Washington is like a, a, a like San Francisco Junior. Like a lot of the same elements are there. The way they get generate their pass rush, um, some of the things they can do in coverage. Like they're not as good as the 49ers, but that's a much closer approximation. And, you know, week 18 was, was ugly. Um, so we'll say, I, I, but I, I think the 49ers defense will be up. 
It's going to be fun, man. Divisional Roundup next. We'll be back at you on Thursday. Brian Balding will be here. We'll be breaking down the games, going inside of each one of these games and what the keys will be. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's a lot of fun. Jason, have a great week. Make sure you check him out, Washington Post, guys. Follow us on social media and uh, subscribe. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we put out new episodes in the huddle. We appreciate you being a part of it. Everybody else, man, have a great day, and thanks again.